You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Sucktastic. This is the irrefutable Reverend S. Michael Wilson soloing this episode. Uh, your other co-host, Joseph Guida, is not in at the moment. I'm coming to you from the Wilson Compound attic, where I've holed up, the doors locked, barricaded, uh, and I'm set up here in my little workshop studio to bring you the weekend update of Movie Sucktastic. Uh, we are going through yet another format change, which is not unusual. As you've been listening to us, we've been playing with the format a bit. But you probably noticed that we haven't been around for the past month or so. We did our live Oscars event, um, the podcast of which is going up this week. There's been a delay. There's been a lot going on. Uh, Joseph and myself have been quite slammed in the real world. And normally people would say, you know what, normally... Somebody who just started a venture like this with so much going on in their lives, they pack it in. They say, you know what, it was a good run. It didn't cost us anything. We had some fun. People enjoyed it. But, you know, maybe we should just set things aside. But, no, we're dedicated. We're dedicated, and we're going to keep doing this. So what's going to happen now is um, I'm picking up the baton, as it were. Now, Joey is still involved. But at the moment, his wife is due very shortly. Uh, he's the, a little Guida coming into the world. And until things settle down there, I'm going to be kind of taking the reins. I'm going to be doing some more solo episodes. I'm going to be bringing you weekend updates, which Joey will be slapping up live. Uh, a little less editing. I'm going to try to do this without any editing at all. Just go from beginning to end. A little less production value. At the moment, uh, I have to apologize for the intro being so weak. I'm working off my computer, and I'm not as set up as Joey was for the editing stuff, so I don't even have the actual sound files yet. But I don't want to wait any longer. I want to get this stuff out there. So what you're hearing is coming off my speaker's bouncing off the walls of the Wilson Compound attic. So it's a little uh, little shader than normal, but things will be up to snuff real soon. But uh, I just don't want to hold back. we got to keep things moving. we got to keep things fresh. Uh, next weekend, we'll be recording our episode from the estate of Sean Philip Hines Esquire. He's holding a 80s bad movie night. Uh, and that's not what he's calling it. Uh, we'll get a confirmation of what he's calling it then. But we'll be appearing there either Saturday or Sunday night. Uh, day, and we'll be recording reviews with uh, myself, Joey, and Sean Philip Hines Esquire as our special guest reviewer. And we'll be covering a bunch of 80s films then. And this should be an interesting episode that might even be a two-parter. That'd be one of the big ones. So what you can expect in the near future is a bunch of smaller, maybe half-hour episodes with just me, and larger episodes whenever we bring guest hosts in or Joey has time to get in there. And uh, we're trying to beef up more on the reviews on the website. You know, there's been a little, a little lag there, too. Again, a lot of stuff happening, and I'm not going to get into it because who cares what's going on in my private life or his private life. What you care about is the movies, and that's why I'm coming to you with the weekend estimates for this past weekend. Now, that, of course, would be April. And the actual date, of course, would be April uh, 
what is today's date, my friends? 16th through the 18th. Today is Sunday. So we're looking for the estimates that have just come through. Now, these are not the actuals, obviously. Those come through the next day. Uh, I'm not going to linger too much on the money, but I am going to linger on what's out there and what they're talking about. Now, if anybody's been watching the news this weekend and have watched the news when the movie Five Minute pops up where they get some critic or, in the case of MSNBC, some editor from a from an e-magazine, entertainment kind of, kind of magazine, to talk about why everything's making money or not. And that's where we have a little beef. But first, let's get right down to it. Right now, the number one film, it's really hard to call it a number one film. It's, it's neck and neck. Uh, what happened was Kick-Ass had a strong opening Friday night. Everybody was shocked. Kick-Ass opens up Friday night. And I think a lot. I don't think many people thought it would do as well as it did, uh, which, again, just shows that sometimes you really can't predict what's going to be popular and what's not, uh, especially with me. But it came out strong. But then, as the weekend progressed, it kind of fell back a bit. Now, um, at, at the estimates now, we have How to Train Your Dragon coming in at $20 million for the weekend, and Kick-Ass coming in for $19.7 million for the weekend. Now, that's the estimate. Now, you got a lot of these critics and experts coming on the shows, and their explanation for this, if you want to believe them, and, and you, you shouldn't, is that Kick-Ass is, oh, well, it's, it's, hard, it's a hard demographic to chase because it's confusing. Audiences don't know what they're getting when they go into which is bullshit, by the way, because if you watch the trailer, you know what you're getting into. Now, maybe some people aren't prepared for it to be more violent, but it's rated R. Now, I can't tell you how shocked we here at Movie Sucktastic were when we saw that it was actually coming out as an R, because usually they soft-pedal this stuff at the last minute. I mean, look, the, the, the Punisher remake uh, came out PG-13. What the hell was that? Well, you know, how much violence can you... They, they always scale back. And, and don't quote me on that, because I'm, I'm pretty sure it was PG-13. I'm not 100%. But, I'm, you know, but they, don't, they don't dedicate themselves to this stuff. So when we heard it was coming out with an R. And then the controversy comes out because they actually kept uh, the whole the whole C-word controversy that, because they delivered it faithfully from the comic book to the film, the Romita comic book. And so the, the these critics and experts are saying, well, it's audiences are confused, and maybe some people are going to it and aren't expecting violence. And, of course, they've already bought the ticket. So how, how does that explain lacking, uh, you know, it, it coming down a bit? And it's not even that it did worse. It's just that Dragon pulled ahead. And the big thing is to say, oh, it's just because this film's not for everybody, and maybe some people were led to believe it was more of a comedy when there's more violence in it. And But here's why How to Train Your Dragon pulled ahead. Now, first of all, let's, let's compare this here. How to Train Your Dragon in 3,825 screens. Kick-Ass in 3,065. So you got like an 800 screen difference, roughly. Dragon pulls ahead. Barely. We're talking by quarter of a million by the end of the weekend. What's the difference? There's two differences. How to Train Your Dragon is your typical animated feature, which means it's a kid's film, which means if a kid wants to go, the parent has to go too. That's always the case. So if the kids want to go see it, you've got an extra ticket there. Now, on top of that, it's 3D, which means higher ticket prices. So your average group of people going to see How to Train Your Dragon in, the, in, uh, in 3D are paying more per ticket than your kick-ass crowd. So what's that mean? It's going to make more money. And this is where this is where the lines are starting to blur on the weekend box office now where you can't trust everything. Avatar was really the big eye-opener to it. 
but it was happening beforehand because there'd been three D's been actually been coming into the you know, into vogue for about a year now, and it's finally be- hit the ad nauseum annoying level that it has, and it's skewing the numbers. It's skewing the the, the real numbers behind these films. How uh, all the headlines tomorrow are going to be? Oh, kick ass! Kick-ass lags, kick-ass uh, disappointing opening. People, listen to this. How to Train Your Dragon cost $165 million. It's On its fourth week, it has just about made that back. It's around $158, 160000000 million right now. It cost $165 to make. All right? That's after four weeks. Kick-ass only cost $30 million to make. It has made $20 million in this weekend. It's going to make back its budget by the second week. So how is that a less successful opening than How to Train Your Dragon coming in, number one, on its fourth week, but with your 3D money and your extra kid money into play? So, yes, How to Train Your Dragon is number one. But it's not the best-selling film. If you if you squeeze the, especially by such a close margin, we're talking a quarter of a million dollar margin on the estimates. I guarantee you, more asses in seats with Kick-Ass than with How to Train Your Dragon. So just ignore these numbers you're seeing. This is it's it's not this is not right. This is not the way to go. Um, personally, Kick-Ass. Uh, uh, I actually talked to to Joey this evening. He saw Kick-Ass with his uh, lovely wife, and and he said it is it is the movie to see. He he loved it. He said it was excellent top-notch. Uh, I personally was happy to see a Nicolas Cage film that doesn't look like it sucks from the start. Uh, poor Nick has been taking every film to come his way ever since his money troubles. Uh, no sympathy on my part. And when you make so much money that you're buying dinosaurs and castles, and the next thing you know, you're being sued for you know almost billions of dollars. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, it ha- you gotta you gotta keep track of stuff. You know, no no sympathy for me when I go fall behind him. I car payments or what have you. Uh but it's it's not you know, after ever watching after watching the uh last the Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans nonsense and uh I mean it's all been downhill since Ghost Rider. Let's let's be honest. Nick Nicholas Cage is not and in in National Treasure, albeit successful films, are not good. And I've been a defender of Nicolas Cage in the early days when he was doing uh, the the vampire, Vampire's Kiss. And, you know, when he was, he, he's always been an experimental actor when it comes to voices and stuff. And I've voiced it up for him. A lot of people don't like him. A lot of people give him a lot of shit. I've voiced it up for him. Kind of hard to do lately. But at least he finally he finally latched onto a film that looks like he wanted to do and not just a film that, well, you know, I got bills to pay. It's, it's, it's glad to see that. So... I'm 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 calling Kick-Ass the number one film. I, I I think we should start adjusting these box office numbers for that. So I'm calling it. But number one film is Kick-Ass. Screw How to Train Your Dragon. I'm sure it's a fun film, but when you got 3D and it's a kids movie, you, you, you can't you can't give me such a close margin to say that's it. But I'm already talking too much about this nonsense. Uh, Date Night came in third, 17.3 million, uh, 55 million dollar budget. It's already made it back. Uh, and, and from what I've heard. And from what it looks appears to be, you've got two great performers. You know, everyone loves, everyone loves these people. I mean, you can't beat, you can't beat Steve Carell and Tina Fey, two very talented comedians. And you put them in a movie which 
see, appears to have your your typical run of the mill. I mean, you could honestly, this is like your typical '80s comedy. This is uh, Adventures in Babysitting. This is uh, Who's That Girl? This is you know, this is take every single one. Night on the Town goes horribly horribly wrong. This is After Hours, but not as dark, uh, and but and not as and not as clever too. I mean, this is it, it's your run of the mill comedy, but you've got two great character actors that people love, great comedians. Everyone enjoys, and whether or not the film's good, they're going to give good performances, and that's what's saving this film. This film wouldn't be making close to what it's making now if it was the same story and two other actors. And I think it's always, I think it's something people overlook a lot. Is is as much star power as we inject into these films, you're not. It's not really truly a good film if it would collapse without the star power. I mean, sure, the right actor in the right role really, you know really crystallizes an excellent film, but you take something like this and, I mean, you could put anybody in it and it'll it'll flounder along. And just the fact that, that they pick two really hot comedians right now, yeah, or comedic, comedic actors right now, yeah, it's going to do well no matter what. You've got good names in there, people that people trust. That's the thing. It's people trust them to make them laugh. It's like a Will Ferrell film, at least up until Land of the Lost came out. People went to see Will Ferrell films just because it's a Will Ferrell film. You know, well, he makes me laugh. Let's go see it. So nothing funny, nothing unusual there. Death at a funeral, opening weekend. Uh, this is the, one of the most bizarre instances of remakes I have yet to see. Uh, the original Death at a Funeral was a British film that came out in 2007. Here we have an American remake in 2010. The only real difference is the first one was British, and this one is an American urban comedy. And... Usually you have these foreign remakes because Americans hate subtitles, because Americans are generally stupid or lazy, and they just can't handle a film with subtitles. Or you'll have a remake of an of a English-speaking foreign film that was out a while ago, and they want to update it. This film's three years old, but we've got to remake it. And considering the fact how long it takes to make a film... They, it wasn't even more than two years old that when then when they started, you know, pre, they they probably started pre-production on this before it even hit DVDs, and also this foreign film premiered in American theater, not premiered, but it came out in American theaters. This film in two thousand and seven, the original Death of a Funeral, uh, Death at a Funeral, was screened in America. Americans saw it in American theaters. So making a remake of it three years later, this this is the beginning of the end as far as remakes go. It's it's not going to get better. It may not get worse. We may have bottomed out here, but this is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm going to hold any judgment. Uh, I have not seen the remake. I'm going to withhold judgment. There's there are some actors in the remake that I can't stand. Uh, and, but and Chris Rock, unfortunately, this seems to have bad luck with picking films. He has not really been in any. I mean, when it comes to black comedians turning into actors, uh, Eddie Murphy, I mean, he's done a lot of crap. you you got to give him credit for starting off with some strong stuff there. Uh, and even Richard Pryor, you know, in, in, hampered by the 70s and what little was quality back there, he still has some strong, you know, there's still the toy. There's still, whether or not they were good, they were still fun and they really captured Ameri- captured an audience over the decades. But 
Chris Rock's just floundering. He's got to, you know, he's, he's got to stick to stand up or doing other stuff, but he's not picking the good comedies. And this this uh, cavalcade, I mean, I guess we could be glad that finally there's an urban comedy out there that doesn't star Tyler Perry or a black comedian in a fat suit. I mean, at least at least we've stepped that bound over. But the fact that it's nothing original, and that they couldn't even be bothered to even steal the idea and do something original with it, just to do a just hop right over. It's it's getting bad out there, guys. Uh, yeah. So that made seventeen million in its opening weekend. Only cost twenty one million. So you know, the, maybe they'll make a sequel. Maybe another death at a funeral. That would be nice. Number five was Clash of the Titans. This piece of crap. Uh, made fifteen million. So it's it's really dropping drastically from its opening weekend. Bad word of mouth. I'm gonna predict Kickass is going to do very well because I think it's gonna have a good word of mouth campaign. And I think it's going to la- have a, um, a nice long summer or you know late spring, early summer life. I think it's going to stretch out a little bit. But Clash of the Titans got killed by the word of mouth. The word came, you know, the opening weekend came and and they made their money there, and it sucked. Everybody says it sucks. I we were calling it from the first trailer. It's it's you can't take something that had magic back then. Pump it full of CGI, and then just say, "Here, look, look at this." And, and no one, there's no wow anymore. There's no surprise. Um, there's no epics. I mean, I think Lord of the Rings was the last real epic movies where people were like, "Wow!" And a lot of that had to do with the faithful translation of Tolkien to the big screen. And I was a Peter Jackson fan too, so that was there. And, but ever since then, and anything that's epic that comes to the screen, uh, except for Avatar, uh, and I can't explain why, why, why uh, never mind. Um, there's been no real epics. Uh, let's all right. Let's say period fantasy epics, so we can ignore Avatar as a sci-fi goofball epic. Um, it bottomed out with Lord of the Rings. Ever since then, everything you know, Troy uh, ad nauseum. Three hundred's a little different because it wasn't really an epic. It was you know, it was larger than life, but only in the uh, the format and the appearance and style, not really in the. Uh, it really, it, a lot of it was close up and personal. It wasn't really about the grand. You know, there, there were long shots of grand, grand. You know, the boats crashing on the shore and the long shots of the armies covering the land, but it wasn't really about that. And I think that's why it did so well. But all this, you know, the kraken. I was trying to explain to a ten-year-old that, and I, long story, and we want our monsters to have look like guys in suits. The CGI stuff's gotten too real. So the Kraken, back in the original Clash, Clash of the Titans, was a guy in a suit. Even if it wasn't, even if it was like, you know, Claymation, Harryhausen animation, which, you know, it was, it still looked like a guy in a suit. It was still made like a guy. I mean, there was still... Fantasy didn't really stretch to the point where we had to make it realistic. And there's the problem. They make the Kraken look like a dinosaur. They try to make it look... Re- oh, let's see what, what, what a real... Uh, monster would look like coming out of the sea it would it would look like a serpent you know but that's that's realism that's uh that's we want fantasy godzilla we don't want godzilla to be a, an actual iguana lizard you know we want a big guy in a suit running around breathing fire we don't want the kraken to look like an actual sea serpent we want the big gorgon looking thing to come out you know we don't want we don't want the uh medusa to look realistic. It's a woman with snakes for her head, for hair. It's not supposed to look realistic. And every, apparently everybody agrees with me on this one. Apparently I called one this time because it's doing horribly and everybody hates it. 
Uh, so that's it's it's made its money back, and it looks like it's the end. It's going to drop off real quick. Um, there's not too much else to talk about in the top. I mean, that's the top five. I mean, you you want to go further? Uh, the last song still making money. Uh, Tyler Perry still got one in the game, so you know it. There's still Tyler Perry out there. At least at least date, uh, death at a funeral pushed that down a bit. Hot Tub Time Machine is doing well. Everybody's liking it. It's a John Cusack film. You can't go wrong as far as I'm concerned. Alice in Wonderland still uh, tugging along. So, so you know, and that's made more than its money back. So unfortunately, that means we're we're going to be subjected to more Tim Burton crap over the next couple of years. And you know, there's nothing else. Diary of a Wimpy Kid's doing surprisingly uh, little business. Uh, it's done very well, actually. It's the fifth week, but it, it dropped a little quick. But it's a kids' film, and there's so much other kid fare coming out right now. How can it compete? But it made its money back over, you know, again, $15 million kids' film. You can't beat that. Even in DVD sales, you know, you're going to beat it out. But the big winner this weekend is uh, How to Train Your Dragon and Kick-Ass. Uh, and that's it. I mean, now, coming up next week... Oh, 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 I have to go back. I'm sorry. We have to have a little talk about Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. And again, Clash of the Titans is made $132 million, uh, But not really. Because Clash of the Titans has been released in D-Box. Now, not many of you people out there know what D-Box is because most of you don't live near the two or three states it's available in. Life is all about choices. Life is about seeing movies like this. D-Box motion code is the new way movies will move you. Like never before. By never before, what they mean is these chairs move. These chairs, basically, it's a rumble pad in a seat. I mean, you, you, they have the rockers you can buy, like Best Buy, where you plug your gaming system into it, and it moves around. And this is what this D box crap is. It's, 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 it's taking, it's trying to take, they're trying to take 3D to the next level. Hence the D, you know. Okay, so it's, it's not a sense around. It's sense around, but it's, it's D. So it's, so it's, it's uh, a lot of these theaters are, they're uh, selling it as. 3D reality. So you put the 3D glasses on, and then you have this seat that rocks and rumbles whenever something big happens on the screen. It's like having a subwoofer strapped to your ass. And so Clash of the Titans is one of the few films coming out to uh, the D-Box. The, the newest Harry Potter is another one of them. Come, uh, and you want to see a film in D-Box, it's going to cost you $20. You're paying 20 bucks to see a film in 3D with your ass vibrating. So what does this do? This drives up the prices yet again. So I I, I, uh, I posit to you, my friends, that Clash of the Titans has made $132 million in three weeks. And that's inflated because of the damn D-Box and the damn 3D. In reality, it's probably you could probably shave $5 million off of that. I mean, not a lot because D, not, you know, probably you know what a lot less, maybe a lot less than that because again, D box is only available like twenty theaters or so right now. My numbers may be off. When I go when I go to the D box website, they only list like twenty theaters it's available in. Uh, most of them are in California and Texas, so nothing in New York that I've seen that they that they have listed on the site. If I'm wrong, correct me. So uh, most of the country doesn't even know what D box is, and let alone have a chance to experience it, so to speak. And uh, by the looks of it, they're actually trying to sell D-Box chairs in your house. They, they, they want you to set up, they want you to buy the 3D TV, they want you to sit in these D-Box chairs, and they want you to vibrate and ooh and ah as things pop out of the screen. 
And they want to do this so they can actually stop trying to entertain you on any real level, on any writing, uh, creative level. They're just It's just pretty pictures, strong music, rumbling ass. Uh, that's it. They're trying to poke your eyes out and, and vibrate your butt. Um, it's, it's getting, it's, we're back to the 50s. It's come full circle. We've got sense around. You know, next thing you know, we're going to be having. We're going, they're going to have us signing waivers at the door to theaters. You know, if, in case you suffer a serious heart attack, you will not come in to see Saw Nine. Um, or if you suffer a serious heart attack while seeing Saw Nine, we are not liable for any medical bills that come forth. It's just, it's getting bad, people. Uh, so, but the D box thing really. I looked into it tonight, and it's just. It, it, I, I'd like to say it's not going to catch on, but my God, I mean, the 3D has caught on like crazy. But then again, here's the big difference. 3D doesn't cost them any money anymore. That's why it finally caught on. The only reason it never caught on in the past is it was so expensive to film stuff in 3D and then show it in 3D. And then pe- the people that would actually do the 3D never had the money for it anyway. And you never had any big budget films in 3D. It was always uh, Adventures Across the Forbidden Zone or... Uh, or Treasure of the Four Crowns, or like a Three Stooges. Cr- I mean, it was they never had any real money to do it. It was just they'd, they'd spend all the money on 3D, and then you'd have nothing for a decent film. Uh, and then Big Hollywood would say, "Well, there you go. See, that's why we shouldn't do 3D." And it's, it's just never-ending, never-ending tale of failure. But now everything's digital. All you have to do is take a movie, run it through. Clash of the Titans was not shot in 3D. So they, all you have to do is run it through the damn computer, turn it into 3D, crank it out to the theaters that can show 3D, and that's it. We just we just made some more money. It's cost-effective. It doesn't cost them as much to make it 3D now as it does to show it or to make the money off it. They're actually, they can actually make money off these screenings instead of taking a loss. And now with 3D TVs, they can actually sell it more. They'll have, there's going to be a 3D channel soon. Cable will have their own. They have HD channels, then they'll have 3D channels. They'll have to be able to sell extra that. So everybody's going to be making more money off of this nonsense. Uh, I will not be a part of it. And that's uh, that's the woe that is this past weekend. Uh, so really we have uh, the top five. Out of the top five, three of them are sucktastic. Uh, Kick-Ass actually looks good. And How the Train of Dragon is probably good, but it's not as good as the numbers say. And coming out, uh, just to give you a heads up, next next weekend is not looking that much better. Uh, next weekend we've got the backup plan and the losers. Now the losers, another comic book adaptation. Comic books are hitting big, and, and at least not, and not even in the traditional superhero sense, because you know the losers is obviously not a superhero film, and unless you tell someone it's a comic based on a comic book, they're not going to know. And that's kind of a good thing. That's kind of what some of us wanted. Us com- old-school comic book fans have been complaining for a long time that not all comic books are superheroes, and not all of them are childish. And so this is they finally took one and they put it at the big screen. However, the more I see trailers for this, the more it looks like the Mod Squad, except with a bigger budget and more explosions. Just another... It just It's too stylized and... Uh, I mean, the, the, it's going to do. I think it's going to do pretty well because uh, Chris Evans, who's in the film, he's just been cast as Captain America. Uh, so I think that's going to get a lot of attention. A lot of people are already looking forward to that. Uh, it's there's a lot of action films coming out this summer. I don't think any of them are going to do well. Uh, the A Team might do a little bit better, and and also with the losers coming out before the A Team, it, it kind of looks like they're just trying to beat the A Team to the punch of this that kind of uh, you know. You know, elite military force gone rogue situation. It's it's not a ripoff of the A Team, 
but they probably kind of rushed it out ahead of time when the A-Team was coming out just to try to jump onto that bandwagon before it comes out. Um, I, but except the explosions and shit, I don't know how much of the losers actually is going to be, uh, you know, ex- anything that we haven't seen already. You know, again, again, budgets on these special effects explosions uh, movies we, you really, unless you've got good writing behind it, you've you've uh, you've already seen everything you can. Now, uh, the writer of the Losers, James Vanderbilt, he uh, he took over after the first draft, I think. So he's he's wrote that. He's got nothing on his. Uh, he wrote the rundown with The Rock and uh, Basic and Darkness Falls. Now, Darkness Falls was the little that little horror film about the tooth fairy t- uh, killing people. I've actually been defending that film because I thought it was kind of cool to have a horror film where the hero uh, spends half of the movie scared shitless, or even two thirds of the film scared. Like, like pretty much your, your hero of the film is scared to death, and his whole focus is to run, and everybody should run with him because he's right. But you know, of course, at the end, he has to build up his courage, and it's all about that kind of thing about the courage and facing your fears. But I, I always thought it got a little bad rap. It's not a great film, but I, I thought it deserved as, at least as much attention as uh, Jeepers Creepers did. Uh, I think between the two of them, Jeepers Creepers had a really crappy third act, but the Darkness Falls, even though it wasn't uh, anything spectacular, was it? You know, it did have it. It had an originality to it that you're not used to. You know. Uh, but um, he's got that in the rundown to it, so they're not bad films, and actually, the rundown neat too wasn't bad. It was it was it was cool. Um, so I I I I'm not going to knock the, the writing part of it. I mean, and also it's it, it's actually adapted from the comic book, and from what I've seen, at least closely adapted, where they actually use a storyline from the first six issues of the uh, one of the newer losers storylines, um, or you know, comic book volumes. So it may, I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but it doesn't look that good. Maybe maybe I'd be surprised. Maybe that's the kind of film I'd go to and be pleasantly surprised. Backup plan, oh God, more... Uh, just when you thought J-Lo would finally stop trying to jump back into films, here she is again. You got Alex Lachlan with her. Uh, just so, it's, it's almost like this, a weird attempt at remaking um, Knocked Up but for your Sex in the City crowd, I don't. So instead of like dating the guy and getting knocked up, so she gets artificial insemination and gets twins through it, and then then meets the the man of her dreams. And now, ooh, hilarity ensues because she's dating the guy and she's pregnant with twins. But it's okay because she's not a whore because it was artificially inseminated. If she had actually gotten knocked up by a real guy, well then. Then we wouldn't be able to enjoy it, and, and it's just—it's so convoluted. Like we have—we have to make this whole background story. It's—it's it's really anti-woman too. I mean, you think about it. If you're a feminist, and I find myself defending women a lot in these films these days because it's just disgusting. Uh, some of the shit going on. I—I uh, I still say Avatar was very. I think feminists should be very upset with Avatar, but I, I mentioned I got to put like two dollars in the Avatar draft for this episode. Um, but just just. We have J Lo, and of course she's got a you know we get this you know model person, and then she uh, we 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 have to have her artificially inseminated before she meets the guy of her dreams. It can't be like a bad date or just like oh I made a mistake. 
It's it's got to be this. There's got to be this purity involved. Meanwhile, you've got these shows like Sex in the City, where the whole the whole idea of the show is these girls are women are sluts who sleep around with anybody possible. And no, I'm sure there's something empowering about that. I'm not really saying that it's a bad thing, but why is that acceptable? But then with this, we can't. We have to have her artificially inseminated. We, it has to be some kind of thing where oh, I'm going to do it without men. But oh, I found a guy, and and it's just it, it's like uh, she's having a baby, but with a twist and a stupid twist. So, but but then again, you're not going to see this for the story, are you? You're going to see it for J Lo and and Mr. Lachlan. And and of course, even the trailer, half of it's slapstick, and then it's uh, the guys talking to the guys about the girls, and the girls talking to the girls about the guys. You know, oh, just just uh, that that would that hits my finger list. This uh, opening fi- opening film is coming out next weekend, uh, the twenty third. I'm telling you right now, uh, I would rather cut off my little finger than sit through the backup plan, and, and even the name, the backup plan. I don't know. It's just. Because there's, there's nothing smarter than being single and having twins, and then suddenly finding a father for them, right? Because there's so many. And never mind. I mean, it just it it offends me on a social level here, people. This is just stupid and disgusting. And and, and how is it now? I'll, but then, meanwhile, I'll defend Saw Six as being like a, a great social commentary and a fun film. So I really don't get off anywhere being judgmental on this shit. I just you know don't don't pay attention to me. Um... And that's 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 the wrap up. I mean, Kick Ass is the movie to see, and the backup plan is the movie to cut your pinky off instead of watching. Because why would you even want to attempt to go through that? Uh, so it looks like I wrapped this up nice and neat at a half an hour. Uh, I'm going to cut it short. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that with everyone. I'm, I'm going to start doing some solo movie reviews too. Uh, the intersperse up there, so it won't just be me coming every week to talk about the top movies. Because you can do that, and, uh, and there's going to be overlap after this first one, so I'll definitely be trying to to fill up the time elsewise. And I'm also going to be doing um, drive-in movie reviews coming up very shortly. The drive-in near me, Becky's drive-in, where uh, we didn't have much luck making the Washington Theater our, the movie sucktastic official theater. Uh, the 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 owner is a great guy, enjoy him, but he just doesn't seem to gel with us. We're, there's really not any communication going on, and I refuse to do all the work when I'm trying to cross promote with somebody. Um, but Becky's is uh, I do try to go to Becky's drive-in a lot, and it's in Pennsylvania, and it just if I go and do a drive-in, it's just so old school, and it's nice to, nice to have one nearby. I'm trying to use it as much as I can before I, this opportunity slips from my grasp, and uh, it's double features. Get to see two movies for ten bucks. Where can you beat that these days? I, they, she might have even, they might have even raised it to eleven sheet, like as if Becky is an actual. It's a it's driving. Um, the driving prices might have gone up a bit, but even then, even if it's twelve dollars, it's still six bucks a movie. I mean, just to actually see a movie, you know, there, and I, it's it's nice to have the audience separated from you, sitting in your own vehicle. But I'll, we'll be talking about that. I'm, I might even try to do interviews there. I'm still iffy on that. But I'll be doing uh, drive-in movie reviews very shortly. I-, I don't know if I'll be recording from the Wilson Compound or live on location. Might, might do a bit of both. Uh, I'll see how the sw- sound quality is recording from a car in the middle of a drive-in during intermission. Give that a shot. Uh, but other than that, um, just expect me on a weekly basis giving these updates to you. And uh, look for the Movie Sucktastic Oscar podcast coming up this week 
And next weekend, we'll be recording with Sean Philippines, as I said, and that'll be coming up, too. And there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I'm, I will touch base next episode about my upcoming book release and some audio commentaries I'm currently recording, possibly some uh, dramatic readings as well. I'm getting into the dramatic reading portion. I'm, I have a book coming out with selections of classic stories, and I, I would like to share them with you in my formal tone. And when that happens, you'll you'll know. And uh, Joy will be chiming in too. And so you know, we're gonna have a lot of shorter stuff coming out. I'm trying to work on the videos. Got a lot planned, and we'll see how much I'm actually able to get done between going to school full time and and job searching and all that. Uh, I might I might post you on that. I'm, I'm also thinking of starting a, a separate separate podcast just of my own rants and bemusements. Uh, the Cult of Scott is the current title I'm playing with. Scottopia sounds cool. But Cult of Scott is more likely to come up in a in a browser search, don't you think? Anyway, um, this is S. Michael Wilson, you can call me Scott, signing off in the Wilson compound for Movie Sucktastic, episode for April 18th. And just remember, just because it's free doesn't mean it's legal. And uh, have a good night. You've been listening to Movie Sucktastic. You can find us at moviesucktastic.com, where you have links to us on Facebook, Twitter, and other blogs. You can reach us directly at the Movie Guys at moviesucktastic.com, or you can email your current host, Scott Wilson, at scott at smichaelwilson.com. <laughs>